everyone. It's time for another episode of Small Talk. I appreciate everyone uh, tuning in and, and listening live on Facebook. It's uh, it's Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 o'clock. And, of course, uh, we upload this audio to uh, Apple Podcasts and uh, Google Play and, and Spotify. So uh, check this out there. And uh, I love the fact that so many people are, are watching. And uh, I'm told by Teresa. Teresa's on tonight. Oh, Teresa was uh, on for uh, episode number three, I think it was, uh, the Go West episode, uh, maybe the episode that had more views than any other, and so she is basically guaranteeing that uh, it's going to be uh, watched by a lot of people tonight, and we also have Chris Mulling. Chris is on the show tonight. He was on last week, and uh, Chris, I'm going to have to have you describe who you are a little bit more tonight, because I just totally skipped over that last time, and then, of course... Everyone's favorite. People don't mind letting me know. Reggie Prince, all the way from St. Paul, St. Paul, Minnesota. There he is in all his glory in his wife's office that I have accused of being his grandmother's den. So here we go. So uh, we are going to talk tonight about this uh, COVID-19. I don't I want to say, uh, let's just say situation. That there's a, There's a good term. Uh, for the situation. Uh, I'm trying to keep my opinion out of it for right now at this moment. So uh, listen, I want to encourage everyone that's on uh, right now live on Facebook to go ahead, say hello, let us know that you're out there in the uh, chat box and join in in the conversation. Uh, we always love that. Love putting up your comments on the screen. So um, Chris, I'm going to start with you. And um, I had mentioned last time when you were on that your job is basically to put people together. That is correct. Yeah. And so this is probably hitting you right now harder than anyone else on here. I know I'm feeling it right now because right now I should be in Monroe, Louisiana, having finished the first day of a four day training class. And I would have made more money this week than any stimulus check is going to give me over the next couple of months, I'm sure. And so I'm just tonight. I really start to feel the impact of this. That's for sure. Uh, but I know you've been feeling it for a while. So let everybody else uh, know that's out there listening, uh, who you are, like, what do you do? So, uh, well, most people that know me know that I, I do many things. So the problem is, is I have several businesses, but all of them are rooted in, in event, some sort of event management. I have a, uh, a company that does training seminars, uh, just like you guys. I do public safety and, uh, and, and different types of training uh, for governmental agencies. I do uh, the DRT Sports, which does um, triathlons, running events, cycling events, multiple you know, uh, athletic events, outdoor athletic events. And then I have a company that does soundstage and lighting production uh, with, the, with the TMC production. So with those three companies, uh, we'll work in reverse order. TMC Productions, I had sca stages scheduled for, um, you know, different events. We were doing uh, Country Thunder over in Kissimmee, a uh, big concert, you know, doing staging for that in K92. And, of course, that went to zero immediately as soon as all of those events. So all of our staging events, all of our proms, we do the music for proms for the schools, graduations, all of that ceased to exist. So that turned to a zero instantly. Um, effective March 15th. The state closed all the state parks, and that began the the, um, the domino effect for us on events, uh, where we had a a thousand person cycling event um, that 
was on rails to trails, clean air bike ride, and that was canceled because of the trail closure. So once they closed the trail on that, uh, they pulled our permit, USA Cycling pulled their all their permits, then USA Triathlon followed uh, suit, everybody else started 5Ks, um, and, and in that realm, so we had events up to a thousand people scheduled that were all either canceled or rescheduled. And so the canceled events are pretty, pretty, pretty dramatic because for us, if the event's canceled and we give you your money back, that's the refund. If, if I cancel an event, it's not by any fault of yours uh, in most cases. Um, and we, we, as a policy, give you your, your money back. Uh, and then if we can reschedule the event, then we call it postponed or rescheduled. And then your money stays with us. And then you have an option to attend the new date. Uh, but a lot of people can't do that. And so the big, the big spin in that industry was virtual runs. You, you might have seen these pop up now. I did. I did. I saw one of them. Yeah. Virtual events are, are, are the, were the, in my opinion, they're a band-aid. They're a quick fix to a problem. We, we've added virtual events in the last few years as an option. So um, it, it kind of works for the guy that say is, is um, in, in uh, deployed in the Middle East in the Air Force, but wants to participate in a local 5K in his hometown and get shirt and the, and the thing. So he does it virtually, runs the 5K at his base, sends his time in on email and we post it. And we send him a shirt out and he can say, hey, I ran the race and supports the, the cause and the, and the nonprofit. I just realized that that's the type of races I need to do from now on. Right. That's it, 100%. Sleep in. The other night, I went out and ran with my son and my wife, and we ran one mile. And that's the first time I've ran in a while. And that one mile, I'm telling you, it must have been like 15 minutes, man. I'm puffing and puffing. I've walked a few times. Uh, There's no way I could do a 5K other than maybe fudging it to get a T-shirt. <laughs> well, we, we it's an honor system, but unfortunately, with the COVID situation, so many events, and, and it's not just ours, of course. There, everybody in this industry uh, basically went to a screeching halt, and so there was a big push for everybody to try to come up with virtual options, so they didn't have to give that money back. Because for most of us, we've already spent money on shirts, medals. For me to give money back to people is going to put me in the red. Uh, we've already spent a lot of that money coming in, and then. Um, and, and so we've done some rescheduling, but even the ones in the fall, uh, that schedule was already full. So there's not that many dates to put them into. And, and so we, it's going to be a real challenge uh, in depending on what happens. And then the, the last one, even even myself, I had some some events. Yeah, I had some events scheduled um, for, for doing some. Um, doing that? Was it was it? Oh, it was a, a team building, doing a team building exercise for a, a group. And that was going to be exciting and really, I'm so innovative. And we were putting together a great thing. I was looking forward to it. At the phone call, said, "Now we're going to webinar for the entire event. No team building. Sorry, you're out." And so that, you know, so my entire business model went from, you know, full on working almost seven days a week to zero in a matter of about 72 hours and no income. We we haven't had any income, nor do we have anything on the horizon for the next 90 days. So it's it's real struggle for us. Um, the money that we're sitting on, you know, that we've managed to squirrel away. Well, we're basically, we're in our emergency fund and, and we're, we're, we've applied for the PPP and all the other things I'm talking, you know, you see out there. Um, we haven't seen any of that money yet. Um, I'm still paying the staff and stuff as long as we can, but I'm your typical small business, what I consider a small businessman. Um, I don't have 30 employees. I have a handful, just a few. 
And uh, we're in that kind of tricky little situation where how long can we survive in this, in this scenario and uh, till we get to the other side of it. So that's kind of who I am and what I, you know, how, how COVID has affected me, how it fits into our business model um, and our outlook, although positive, that we're going to, you know, turn this around and people have cabin fever ready to get back out there and engage and do that. I know there's going to be some slow acceptance back to that. And my fear is that the Chronicle from just the other day says um, social distancing could remain in effect for up to one year. Yeah. And for those that uh, are not aware, the Chronicle is our local newspaper uh, in the town that we live in, the county we live in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, don't, I don't know if you've that. read. I don't know if you've read over. I read over the the presidential guidelines today. The three phases to get restarted, get the country open again, and it is clear to me that it could be a long time. We could be stuck with this. Uh, at least, let's say physical distancing. They actually even use that term in there more so than social distancing. But this physical distancing could last for a while. That's for sure. My, my concern on it is is twofold. Number one. Um, is, is, is number one is we we turn it back on and we say, okay, people can go back out and start to get in there. There's going to be the natural tendency for some people to play it cautious and say, well, I don't want to go into a group or the government's going to stage us back and say 50 people or more, you know, or less, and then a hundred people or less or 250 or less. Um, and our break even on most events is 200, 250 participants. So if we don't get at least 200 people to an event, it's a loss. So we can't afford to do that um, anything smaller than that. So we're we're essentially out of business until they reach the magic number of 250 and greater. And then there's that, you know, that reluctance of some people to be the first ones out there to jump into a large group of people, something. And then the second piece of it is what if we do have a resurgence? What if there is some sort of, you know, catastrophic event that occurs at a football game or a major event where a lot of people are together and there's an outbreak and they say, oh, you know, a large group of people got affected, infected because of that. You know, the reaction again will be, okay, shut everything down again and we're going to be back into it. That just scares me. So Reggie, if they shut everything down again, let's say like three or four months from now, how many uh, people do you think are going to be out in the streets with uh, MAGA hats on waving Trump flags saying open this thing back up? What are your thoughts? Uh, I would imagine probably exponentially more. You know, we had one of those here in the state of Minnesota and a friend of mine drove by there and he took a photo and I thought, cause I've seen it online, but it said my choice, my body, and my, <laughs> my body, my choice or something like that. And I thought, wow, we have come a long way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, you know, I gotta tell you, man, I love that statement. Oh my goodness. My body, my life, or something. Shoving it right back down their throat. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Freaking, we've come a long ways. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I ask a local attorney that question because of being an assisted living, residents have the right to do things. So I said, don't I have the right? And we're just having a conversation. Don't I have the right, if I want to get sick, be able to get sick? And he said, no, you don't. He said, the right for... All the people is more important than your personal right. Oh, we're, we're at Spock. The needs of the many over the needs of the few. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I was I was surprised by that because that was a question because I do believe you should, if you're comfortable and you're not in fear of, of getting something, you should be able to. You should have personal choice. 
What bothers me, what bothers me is, is that there's a lack of what I see in the news and what I've read. There's just a lack of common sense that's, that's happening mm -hmm. where I see people writing, uh, police officers writing people thousand dollar tickets for what yes. sunset sitting in the front seat of their car where they're not interacting with anybody. I saw a video today of some guy in California on a, um, on a stand up paddleboard. You know, he was a thousand feet from anybody until the coast guard, you know, or whoever came and intercepted him with a boat and they arrested him and took him away because, you know, it, it's, it's like at some level, are we, well, just like the people going to church, there's a church. I got, I got a great, I didn't even have to go to church on Sunday. That's about church stuff now. <laughs> because no, no, the, the church right behind my office here. I happened to be here last Sunday, and the church right behind, they were doing their service, and he was outdoors, reaching outdoors. And I was and I was getting an earful and loving it. I really was. It was great, it was very inspiring. And of course, then he would say, Can I get an amen? And everybody's blowing their horns, you know, and everything. It was just awesome. But nobody's out of their cars. There's no interaction. It, it meets all the criteria of social distancing, in my opinion, because nobody's interacting other than the family members in the same cars with each other. And I see in the news that they're putting pastors in jail or they're doing things to people. For, for propagating these kinds of gatherings because they're not supposed to get together. It's like, but they're not interacting. They're not doing anything that would risk the spread of the disease. Yeah. Now, the only ones that I've seen go to jail is like Rodney Howard Brown, the pastor down in Tampa that has a mega church. And he was basically like, I don't care. Uh, Jesus is here and no one's going to get the coronavirus. So we're all going to meet. And that's, that's a mega church. A lot of people there, and so and nobody's sick yet, though. Nobody's sick in that church. I don't know. I don't know who's sick. Who was in that church? Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe, but I, I think, uh, I think Jim Baker. We all know him from probably the '90s. I think he was actually maybe for a contribution. Reggie's hanging his head. If, if you're listening to this on uh, on on a podcast right now and you can't see, Reggie is hanging his head and shaking it. Uh, I believe that Jim Baker was actually for a contribution. He he would send you maybe some some miracle water or something like that to go ahead and clean okay. up any COVIDs that you might have in your system. Don't get off topic. This is not off topic, but that's but that's what that's what was going on. And so, uh, uh, yeah, I, I heard of a few pastors, but it was mainly like very blatant type stuff. Now, I heard in Kentucky that there was a church that did drive-in service. And they were ticketing people. But that's wrong. Well, I think it is. I mean, but that's where the common sense is being lost is that I, I read in our local paper and, you know, I seen someone share it about the Chronicles saying, you know, that we need to enforce the stay at home order. So we're encouraging our neighbors and our friends to say, you're not doing your job. But here's a question that I keep like putting in my mind. How are you seeing all these people at the boat ramp? If you're at home. Right. You know? Facebook. Facebook. That's how it is. Facebook. Uh, Reggie, let me ask you. If you see someone not following the rules, y'all snitching up there? I think we got a hotline now. <clears throat> I'm almost certain. I, I'm looking for it. I, I think we do have a hotline. I, and, hey, I, it just seems awkward, man. It's a strange time to live in. Mm -hmm. I, I, just thinking about what Chris was saying earlier. I mean, when you think about the true impact, but 
I mean, of, of how it's affecting people. It's like scary, right? Yeah. So you can see why people would want to get back in certain directions. But then again, it's not, you can risk yourself, but then you put other people in jeopardy. Like I could get it and maybe not have any major symptoms or not go down. But when I go to buy my Copenhagen, right? And I go in and I just inadvertently sneeze or cough or just talking, then I could, put it out in the air or put it on some stuff or touch something. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Just something inadvertent. And then now somebody else got it because I got a chance to live my freedom when they didn't necessarily want it. So I don't know. I, I think it's like yelling. There's free speech, but you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, right? Yeah. I don't think that uh, if you are someone that is susceptible to this, then you need to stay yourself home. Mm-hmm. So that you don't have to worry about Reggie sneezing at the corner store while he's buying his log of Copenhagen, <laughs> you know. So, so for instance, I pulled this up today from the uh, New York City Health Department, and uh, this was as of yesterday at six p.m. Um, these are COVID nineteen deaths among confirmed cases in New York City. There's a total of nine thousand. 562 people that have died from COVID-19. 9,562. Folks with no underlying conditions, 54. 54. Let that sink in for a second. 54. Uh, Underlying conditions unknown, 2,498. And the ones that we know had underlying conditions out of 9,562 people, 7,010 had underlying conditions that if if they're educated enough, uh, we do a good job educating them on what the underlying conditions might be that put them at risk. Maybe they need to stay there behind home. And maybe we need to set up some services and and we need to pay for it or whatever. To, to help them get the items and the things that they need so that um, whatever the, the Grubhub version of getting your log of Copenhagen from the corner store is, we can set that up so they, they don't have to come out. But when I, but when I look at this, oh, and by the way, there's another 4,865 deaths in New York City that they say are probable, probable COVID-19. So let me just put this in perspective now. I know I know it's difficult hearing all these numbers like, like this and, and, and retaining it. In New York City, as of 6 p.m. yesterday, 14,427 souls lost. 14,427. That is, that is 35% of all the deaths in the country. From New York City, mm-hmm. that's tragic. The other, the other side of that is though. I think Dennis Prager asked this question. I heard, I heard this today. I think he basically posed it in this way. He said, "If thirty-five percent of the deaths were to happen in some uh, remote, more remote place in the country, let's say, let's say Casper, Wyoming, let's just say, off the top of my head, mm-hmm. would New York City shut down?" Because 35% of the deaths happened out in Casper, Wyoming. Yeah. I doubt it. I, I really don't think that they would have. I don't think they would have. 
So it's just a it's a it's a tough subject because still that's fourteen thousand four hundred and twenty seven souls. I'm sure it's probably close to fifteen thousand at this point in New York City alone. And in every one of those situations is obviously tragic, but we're doing a heck of a lot of damage having everything closed as well. All right, so a heck of a lot of damage. I yeah, absolutely. I want you to. Because I, I, it makes sense that those who are healthy should be able to go, and un, and it, it also is proven, it's evidence that um, underlying conditions like diabetes and high blood pressure, especially down in, in Louisiana and certain places, like uh, the comorbidity of those underlying underlying conditions attached to that virus is deadly. I mean, like it, you. you you got a better chance of winning the lottery, it seems. Now, so if we if we took all those people that were vulnerable, not just the old, but people who had the comorbidity and and kept them home, according to um the diabetes, whatever they call it. I mean, you know, the, the place where they, they track diabetes, 29.1 million people in the United States has type two diabetes. 77.9 million, one out of every three adults has high blood pressure. So if we kept the vulnerable at home, those with underlying conditions, I just say there's going to be some cross-section there between the two. You're still talking about keeping about 55 million people at home if, if, if we just protected the thing. So I, I tell my wife this because she has her opinion. I tell my sister-in-law because she got her opinion. I wouldn't want to be in there position to make this decision. I, I I wouldn't. I'm not defending any any um politician. I don't care what coat you wear, but I just wouldn't want to be in that position because you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. You really are. You really are, Reggie. I totally agree with you. Um I could keep 55 million people at home if the other 330 million were able to go out and resume uh daily life and get the economy back in shape. I mean we we just saw oil yesterday go into negative territory. That's never happened before. And before people start praising gasoline at $1.70 a gallon, uh, that is not where we want it. That is not where we want it at all. We're, we're going to collapse our economy if uh, gas gets down to the point where I used to pull into the Swifty station at 16 and give the guy a five spot and say, fill it up. If that happens, we are done for, man. There's no gas money again, ain't it? <laughs> there is no way. I, I kind of like the idea of my daughter rolling up to the gas pump and uh, with five dollars and walking away with a little something, something. But you know what? That's no, not going to be good for our economy, any way you look at it. And I read a thing today where it said that um, at this price, it, the longer it sustains at, at these low levels, even if it gets back up to ten and twenty dollars a barrel, at twenty dollars a barrel, you're talking about a few hundred American oil companies going out of business. At $10 a barrel, you're talking about thousands of companies going out of business. So where do you think it's at with zero if they maintain that for a long period of time? You know what I think? I think there's going to be a lot of environmentalists that are just thrilled. Are you? That's what's going to happen. And then we'll see how, uh, if they got that Chris Matthews thrill running up their leg when the economy's decimated and everyone's broken you know, this country goes to hell in a handbasket. We'll see. And, you know, all these people, I, I'm going to get to you guys, all these people that are talking about, see, the the air pollution has gone down precipitously here in the last five weeks. The earth is healing. Look at all the bad stuff that we've been doing to it. Hey, guess what? 
apparently if it healed that quick, we're not, we're not doing this irreparable damage <laughs> that's going to have us all dead in 12 years, according to the Wizard of Smart, AOC. Ah. And don't get me started on that, because if I ask AOC what percentage of the people in our country are, are, are crazy, she'd probably give me a relatively high number. And I'd say, yeah, you just told all those crazy folk that we ain't going to be around here in 12 years. So, yeah, go ahead and make whatever decisions you want to based on that. Teresa, ladies first. So I think it's more than just economy that we're not thinking about when we're trying to get people back to work. I mean, we're always saying, I'm hearing things like profits above people and we're greedy and this and that, but what about purpose? Mm -hmm. I mean, what about purpose? I mean, we're all created to do something. So you're talking now six weeks, people are sitting at home and it isn't that they don't want to be with their families. I mean, it, it's that we have things that we do every day that create tremendous purpose for everyone. I got some purpose for you. Tracy, go, to, go, to, go to Lowe's and you'll know that everybody's, they're working on their purpose because yeah. Home Depot and Lowe's are full. Well, you can do that, Chris, here in the South. I'm going by the rule. Yeah, but look, hey, get back to that purpose. Okay, and you said uh, everyone was created with purpose. So let's go back to the first person that was created. First thing God did was gave him a job, and that was to take care of that garden. And thank yeah. God he doesn't get that job in 2020 up in Michigan because he couldn't even go to Lowe's and buy seeds because <laughs> the, the, the tyrannical governor there put some freaking caution tape over the garden aisle and said, don't go there. We're all going to die if you go home and plant some seeds. What the heck is that? <laughs> that is absolute idiocy. That's not true, though. <laughs> how, how is that not true? I will grant you that maybe she didn't say you can't buy American flags. I think maybe that got out there and was reported and I can't find that. But uh, I, I don't know why you're telling me that's not true, Reggie. That's, she, she listed all the stuff that you cannot go buy and that's on the list. And isn't she the governor that says that you can't drive with anybody? You're only one person in a car? Lord have mercy. I don't know. I don't know all of it. I just paid attention. I just read up about the store issue. I don't have six cars. I got a lot of kids. They got to get in the car. <laughs> well, you Hey, you can make a lot of trips because gas is cheap. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I want you burning that fossil fuel. Go for it. Chris, what were you going to say? All right. I got three points. Number one. Um, and these are just things that, that are always bumping around in my head. Things to consider. I heard, um, I don't know if it was Dr. Oz or somebody, but they, one thing they said was that number one, by by washing your hands frequently, which which a lot of people still don't do. I see that all the time in the bathroom. It always amazes me. Somebody uses the restroom and walks out. Just, but anyway, by washing your hands frequently and, and routinely, you can cut your exposure to the virus in half. Mm -hmm. By distancing yourself for six feet or so where if somebody were to sneeze or cough or whatever, you may not get a droplet directly deposited on you. Um, you cut that number in half. So now you've reduced your exposure rate by 75% by doing two very simple things. And it seems like if that's true, and let's take that as, as true for a second, that means that all of the other things that we're doing are only an attempt to reduce the remaining 25% of an exposure rate. If we if we get people to do those two basic things, we can drop it over two thirds. And, and, and then 
you know, all of these other things, are they necessary, these drastic measures necessary to reduce the numbers by exposure rate by such a small margin? That's number one. Number two, I, 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 and I mentioned this, I think, last time. I noticed that um, doing the research that, that they're no longer recording flu, <laughs> right? Flu right. reports are zero because they're attributing everything to COVID across the board. And if we, and, and of course, when this was early on and people were saying, well, it's not as bad as you think or whatever, there was all kinds of, of, of conflicting information. I'm still on the fence as to what's accurate and truly accurate. But I do believe that the numbers of flu deaths that occur in this country every year are, are a, a number that most people were completely unaware of. Staggering tens of thousands of people that die from the normal everyday, something we have a vaccine for and blah, blah, blah. So now we have COVID and the main, main problem is we don't have a vaccine. So the exposure, you know, there's nothing they can do to, to stop that. Um, and we have this problem, but how much of these numbers, how many of these numbers are relative to the normal flu infection that would occur during, during this time frame? At least give me an accurate number. Don't tell me that COVID is this number when actually it only represents a fraction of that number, whether that fraction is seven eighths or one one eighth is, is yet to be determined. But I would like more accurate reporting when it comes to that. I, I think that they skew the numbers to fit whatever narrative they're pushing at the time. And if they're trying to make it where it seems like it's more of a pandemic or more drastic or more important, we're, we're attributing every conceivable death to flu, to, to the COVID, even though it could be from normal flu. Um, let's say that you die of cancer, but you had the coronavirus. Now that's a coronavirus death yep. and, and, and it's not. So, so I just want real information. I'm a statistics guy. I'm a numbers guy. I can handle the truth. Okay. But I want to know what's accurate. I, I can't stand conflated information. And number three, last thing to consider. I, I saw another article about herd in, immunity. Right. And, and this is something that's kind of new. Nobody was really talking about where this came from initially. But but there are certain countries that aren't doing what we're doing and not, not doing what Italy and Spain are doing. They're they're not, you know, quarantining their, their population. And the theory behind it is, is that as people become exposed to the coronavirus, some will develop immunities, antibodies. Mm -hmm. um, and, and therefore, we, we now through a herd immunity we now, over a period of time, we, we are going to fix the problem because God is more powerful than any medication that we can design, right? I mean, we, we have a body that that will, will, by being exposed to this, will generate something to fix it. And, and that is amazing to me. Um, but we still want to try to fix it faster, smoother, cleaner, and better. And that's our human nature to try to manipulate that. But what if we did? They said like Sweden. Sweden has had 1,400 deaths due to the COVID, um, whereas as Norway has had 400. So they're saying, but, but people in Sweden are not being quarantined at all. And the Norwegians are. And so there's the, that dichotomy there, that difference. But, but here's, here's the question. What if we look at it in a year? If, if we develop a herd immunity in Sweden that only that peaks somewhere around, say, 10,000 deaths, but in Norway, this goes on for a decade, 
and we end up with 50,000 deaths. I don't know. These are all things that just flip around in my head. Well, we can bring this uh, We can bring this closer than Sweden and Norway. Look at the uh, United States. We know that this thing came in on the West Coast. That's, that's where this thing arrived first, right? Okay. So California, well, at least that's all indications anyway, let's say. I'm, I'm not disputing it. I'm just yeah. I'm learning now. Yeah. So in California, they've had, according to the CDC website tonight, 30,000. 978, 31,000 cases of COVID, 31,000. Now, when did they get, when did COVID hit them? Well, it hit them pretty early on. I mean, do we know exactly when? We don't know exactly when, but we know it hit earlier than it hit New York City. I mean, at least that's what we're being told. And in New York City, uh, New York State, rather, I should say, New York State, they've had 245,580 cases. And so you look at those numbers, you say, well, gee, it hit California early. They got 31,000. Hits New York State late, 245,000. Well, what, what explains that? So then some really smart folks from Stanford go to Santa Clara, California, and they start testing people just randomly to see if they've already had COVID or not. And so the research shows that um, anywhere between 50 and 85 times more people have actually had COVID than what they thought. But as soon as those uh, findings come out, as soon as it hits, you got all these people that just jump on it and immediately say that, that that's not accurate. There's, there's no way that that's the case. But it's he, amazing. What's that? I, I think the, one of the contributing factors to that was that their governor aggressively started putting restrictions in place from the beginning. Like he he didn't wait. He did, he didn't hold off. Like so when was the beginning? That's that's the question. Well, uh, from when it started becoming a national thing, when it sure. started say like early March, he he didn't hold back. I mean, I know this mainly because I was trying to get my paperwork through in California, and there wasn't nobody to get it through. But he aggressively did the stay at home thing. I mean, the, the mayors of different cities were, I mean, like intentional about stay at home. I, mean, it, I saw, kept seeing things about the proposed lockdown of San Francisco. I thought that was like BS, but no, it was actually a discussion that was being had at some point. Yeah. But, but, but Nancy said, come on out to Chinatown. Everything's fine. Well, I, and I, and, and then uh, big bird, big bird there in New York, de Blasio on what March 10th, uh, Reggie, you and I watch, uh, yeah, Joe, Joe and Mika, the uh, the Me Too moment that went well. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was on there in almost mid March, saying, "Yeah, there's no problem. Come on out." Yeah, and that, now these these fools done forgot about that. Now, now they're hammering yeah. Trump they, to the point have. where today I I, I uh, heard that sixty percent of Democrats in this country, in one study that was just done, one poll. 60% of Democrats in this country think Trump is more to blame for COVID-19 than China. All right, so let me China, where it came from. from. And then China recognized that this thing happened. They shut down all travel from Wuhan to other cities within China, but leaves the international terminal open. <laughs> and next thing you know, this thing starts spreading everywhere. But Trump, Trump is to blame. Not China. I mean, I know, look, I know SARS came from there, swine flu, bird flu. I mean, it's, it's all coming from there, from the wet markets. Every once in a while, we're going to get it. 
But Trump is really to blame. I mean, come on, folks. You sound like Bill Maher. So, but seriously, let me finish my point, please. I think, I mean, what, you, what you're describing, uh, California's success is due to the stay at home. I mean, like the, the shelter in place thing. They put it in place earlier than most places, and they were really intentional about it And it, at, the, at the state level. And then- Are you talking March? Yeah, and local governors, I mean, local, local mayors and stuff really started putting it into place. And, and like, the, they locked it in early, hard, and, and fast. And I think well, that's what many are attributing to California's success is the stay at home thing. And they've had so much success that they actually have a proposal to begin to start opening their state up. It's not going to take place until like May sometime, but they have a strategic plan for what should start out and so on and so forth. While we love watching Cuomo, because that man is gifted with a PowerPoint. I love watching that guy. I mean, like, seriously, I, we all can learn something as trainers from Cuomo. Uh, he was not really that adamant about doing something. And like you said, the mayor of New York City, I remember him being on The Daily Show talking about, no, New Yorkers, we just need to do, you know, stay, just stay distance from each other, but don't stop living your lives. Don't stop doing this. And like you said, it blows me away that he just gets a pass on that. Like, he, he don't get to say anything. Because we don't give the Republicans a pass on anything. And it, it really blows me away, too, that it doesn't matter who's in power. The, the one out of power can't find anything to, to, but hypocrisy in the ones in power, right? But the, of their own, they'll, they'll kind of hug and love them, and they, they get to skate here and there. Yeah, well, well, if, you think, if you think Joe Biden's going to pull us out of this, you're crazy. No, y'all need to realize whoever Joe's vice president is, is the president. Because if you think Joe's going to last well into his first year, God forbid, and I don't want nothing bad to happen to him, but that man is, he's had some episodes, some health episodes that they ain't discussing with nobody. So whoever his vice president is, that's who our president really is. They said Michelle Obama, I read today. Oh, geez. You stop reading the, the crazy blogs, though. They said, I <laughs> read. <laughs> That yeah. negative, not even. I, I heard it yesterday. Them folks are make, making way too much money on Netflix right now. Exactly. I, yeah. I wouldn't even do it. But listen, when when the, uh, the when that research came out that said fifty to eighty-five times more people had it than what we think there in Santa Clara County, and uh, immediately here come the people to say that that's nonsense. And here's the two things they said. They said, "Well, how did you get these people down here to the testing site? Well, you put it out on Facebook. So we got to assume." that the person who responded from Facebook was a person who just was sick recently and assumed, oh my God, it must have been COVID-19. And then they probably like private messaged 15 of their other friends that had uh, a little cough and a sniffle recently. And then that just kind of went viral on Facebook. And now all the sick folk just come down there. They just recovered. And so we have all these inflated numbers. Now, that's one of their conclusions. That's why this is bunk. And the other thing is they say, oh, the test that came from Minneapolis is the only test that was available. Oh, well, it, it, it has all these uh, false positives or false negatives and whatnot. It's just not all that reliable. <laughs> oh, OK. So the test is not reliable. So we want to throw that out. Is that the same test that every day in the media you're yelling that Trump didn't have enough of these tests that apparently don't work? 
He didn't have enough of them on hand so, so that we could get this thing under control by like, I don't know, maybe January 11th or something like that when like the first person may have died from it. Oh, yeah, those are the tests that we need to have, the ones that don't work. So then USC comes in and uh, behind that, USC does their own research and they find out that, yeah, it's about 55 times, uh, you know, there's 55 times more people with it than, than what we assume. And immediately, I, just, I love this article. I read this today. I love this article. So what, what does it say? Yet statisticians and infectious disease experts have been poking holes in the Santa Clara study since the second it came out. Since the second it came out. And so this goes back to something Chris mentioned. We all know it's true. It's like confirmation bias. If you're in the 60% of Democrats who believe Trump has blood on his hands, as opposed to, hey, let's just look at where this came from and try to track this down. It keeps happening. Every decade it keeps happening. But you believe Trump's at fault here, then doggone it, you're going to find a reason. It's like they dusted off the uh, the climate change hockey stick, you know, and just uh, that, that Al Gore had put out there that where we would all be dead right now, certainly down here in Florida, Chris and Teresa and I would not be on here right now because we all we have been flooded and killed by now. We're in the panhandle, y'all good. <laughs> <laughs> We're not in the panhandle. We're right in central Florida, man. We'd have been done for. It's like they dusted off that old model that had everybody in hysterics and just applied this one to it. And let's just go ahead and shut down the economy because bringing up Bill Maher, I mean, we need to trash this economy one way or another. So we make sure this guy does not get reelected, dude. So your, your argument is the government has done a good job. Uh, done well enough to where we should be able to get back to work. I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm with Chris. Like, it just it doesn't make sense. Like, there's just so many things that don't make sense. People are grasping at straws. Here's what I would say about government. I see Trump's got a task force. Our governor has a task force. And I read this morning that one of our local commissioners had an uh, op-ed in the paper. He wants a task force locally to reopen this. You know which one of those I can go along with? Which I can one? go along with the local one. Because you know what? I trust the local people. This is why I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in federalism. Like, I want decisions made as close to home as possible. Like, I'll take your guidelines and your suggestions, but we need at the local level to figure this thing out. That, that, that commissioner that wrote to he wouldn't mind, he's a friend of mine, he, does, he wouldn't mind, maybe he'll come on here sometime. His, uh, his name's Jimmy. Um, if, if I don't like something that Jimmy's done, he's a friend of mine. I call, pick up the phone, call him, text him. But hey, man, that was, I don't go along with that. But I can't do that to the governor. I certainly can't do that to Trump. Mm. Teresa, what were you going to say? Yeah, get in there, Teresa. I mean, he's just saying so much, I can't keep up with it. I have to write down five points. <laughs> <laughs> you mean five? You stopped at five? Gee. Yeah, I mean, well, I want, I want to, my, my dog wants to cut, they just let him in. I want to tell you one thing, though. When you want to talk about testing. So uh, I won't name who it is or anything, but I had an employee. Um, the administrator called me. The employee had a cough. We said, okay, you got to get tested. I mean, we're spending all this money now. Because we're, we're afraid everybody's, if they got a cough, I mean, before the excuse used to be you got diarrhea, you didn't come to work, okay? Now you got a cough, you're not coming to work. Well, you're guaranteed 14 days out or a clear test. That's what we have to do to protect everybody. 
The doctor writes on the doctor's note. I don't think she has it, but I'm still going to send her for the test. But it would probably have a false uh, negative. And so, you know, that's what you're going to have to do. I said, she can't come back to work. 14 days. I was like, why would we pay for a test? Then the doctor basically says, I don't trust the test. And I'm supposed to put her back into an assisted living with the most vulnerable population there is. Wow. Wow. This is the kind of stuff we're dealing with that we're not talking about. You yeah. know, and you want to talk about government? I'm going to talk about Florida. Okay. okay. And I probably will get some haters if they see this later. Uh, <laughs> they regulate the assisted living long-term care industry. This weekend, the governor allowed them to share a list of every facility that has a positive COVID patient. Why? We don't release anything ever like that to the public. I mean, it's automatic. Did I lose you guys? No, we're here. Okay, I thought it froze. It's automatic that you, you're protected it under HIPAA. You're supposed to notify the family if something's happening in your building. So if you had a resident who had COVID, you would be telling the family of that patient and you would call the other families and say, we have a positive, this is what we're doing this and that, but now we're releasing the facility's name. So the damage is gonna be done way beyond healing the patient. Nobody's ever gonna send somebody there. Well, I don't, I don't imagine right now that you could pick up the phone and call a place for mom and have mom put in a place anyway. Like that, they're not accepting new, new, new clients right now, are they? Well, they could if they can prove that they don't have COVID and they're willing wow. to isolate and all these things. Like, I want to tell you from a from a healthcare perspective, every day it feels like the CDC gives a new reg, ACA gives a new regulation, Department of Health gives a new regulation. ACA, Department of Health, is calling buildings on a regular basis and asking them to report stuff. And then the governor of Florida allows a list to hit the Miami Herald. Think about that. Mm. How are we working together beyond everybody being social distancing, the economy... We don't know what's going to happen, but hey, if the economy recovers, you're going out of business. We don't trust you. And we know that, you know, we don't know how everybody's getting it. We're doing the thing. So how is the healthcare facility responsible for that? And if one person gets it. And what she's speaking to is why we need to distance and extend this. And it's not because it's um, some political ploy. It's not because it's, you know, divisive or it's going to tear down somebody's reelection. It's because at even at the local level, we don't know if people are, have the best intentions. We don't know if people are following through and doing what's expected. You talk about, you know, washing your hands. Bro, I've walked into restaurants and seen people that had so much dirt on their nails look like they had just got done gardening. And they didn't. They went straight from the car to the table, grabbed a spoon, cup, and start getting at it. So it, the idea is, if we stay away, if if it's if we limit access to things, you got a better chance of enforcing or having people self-enforce. I should say some of those things you talked about, like washing your hands. So even if I don't wash my hands, I can't be around nobody to give it to them. And like she described, the idea of people, you would think that in this time. Especially with, you know, you got all these theories about for every dead person, a hospital get this amount of money and they want to have that. Well, you would think that it, for that nursing facility, it would be in their best interest to try to do everything they could the right way. Right. 
I mean, I saw a thing the other day where they are, they are doing what the right thing. Yeah, but you, 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 you would think that. I mean, sorry, I saw a thing the other day where a nursing home was seeking to avoid uh, litigation or lawsuits, I should say, because stuff was happening. Right. But, but, but that's that's the free yeah. market taking care of this. Is it the they are going to do the right thing because they want to make money. Mm-hmm. Like it, so. So let's just say that tomorrow um, heroin is legalized. Am I going to be like, yay, heroin's legalized. I'm going to go suit up now because it's legal. No, I'm not going to do that. No more so than restaurants open tomorrow. Let's say tomorrow and there's no restrictions. Mm-hmm. And I walk in and people are all on top of each other. I might just have a tendency right now to just close that door and be like, hey, I'll come back later because there's <laughs> nothing. There's no distancing. There's, you know, the, the little uh, plexiglass shield that gives us a false sense of security and all the rest of that. I'm seeing none of that stuff. I think, why do we have to live in this nanny state? And I guess to some degree, Reggie, the answer to that question is because they're going to be some nasty folk. And there's going to be some people who just do the opposite. And, be and they're going to keep doing it. Yeah. And, and so I, I don't know. I, I Do I believe we should keep quarantining? Much like you spoke of, I should be in the midst of some serious money right now. So this has hit me hard and heavy. Like I'm tapping into resources that I didn't think I would have to tap into until I got old. So I, I feel that. And yet I also realize that, you know, we're a, a country of some empowered, autonomous people. And everybody can't be, and I won't say the word trusted, that's too value laden. Everybody can't be expected to do the right thing without some kind of influence to do so. Mm-hmm. That and I, that's why I think it just stays in place. I mean, I live in Minnesota. We do, we we're doing better than any other state, probably because we normally live in the freezing cold and never go outside anyway. So this is nothing else. It just extended our our winter for a little bit. But there's talk about extending this into May, well into May, and even though we're doing better than any other place. And I, I I've seen the protesters, and I've. On some levels, I, I I'm with them, but on other levels, it's like whatever's gonna keep the the larger body safe, right? I just got like you said, Joe. I got to trust that the local folks are trying to do the right thing, and, and just ride with that. And for right now, the right thing, at least from all perceptions, is that it, it's creating restrictions to pre- prevent people who ain't gonna do the right thing from harming those folks who want to do the right thing. I see looks on y'all faces. Everybody looking away. Hey, hey whatever. I, no, no, I'm with you, man. I just, I just can't get beyond just the idea of like Chris. Chris mentions there's a few things that you can change. Mm-hmm. And you and I, Reggie, I know you and I in particular, we teach that whole change process, the stages of change. And it might sound like a simple thing, but sometimes simple is not necessarily uh, easy, right? Like I, I always come back to this analogy. Uh, uh, being financially responsible is like spending less than you make. Essentially, let's just boil it down to that: spend less money than you make. But if you go on Amazon and search budgeting, how many resources are you going to find? Probably tens of thousands, because it's just not an easy thing to do. People just don't do it, and so. Um, you know, I thought about a previous conversation we had, Reggie, we know from the Brookings Institute that if Americans, regardless of gender, 
uh, race, anything. You do three things, you have like a 92% chance of avoiding poverty in this country. Graduate from high school, um, get, a, get a job, and wait till you're married to have children. And then you just throw all that out the window and you have 92% chance of being out of poverty or not in poverty to begin with. You throw all that out the window, do your own thing, and then bitch and moan when you don't, uh, you know, when you fall into poverty. Like, oh, that's adjusted for like demographics. I mean, come on. And so it sounds simple, but then it turns out that it isn't. And my thing is, is if people don't make adjustments, it's like, how long is all this distancing going to last? Like, because I know that this is like your sweet spot, Reggie, like hanging out at the house. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you love it. You're shaking your head. Yes. But I can't stand it. I feel your pain on some level. And yet I'm telling you, I shouldn't say this in such a declarative way. This is my belief and my value. Right. And, you know, that's going to define how I behave. Um, we can't get everybody to follow up. You just listed three simple things that have a billion variables attached to each one of them. And all that boils down to volition, somebody's own desire and willingness to follow through with it. We shouldn't, in my opinion, shouldn't put people in jeopardy because some folk just don't feel like they should follow through with it, or they don't have to, or they never did in the first place. I told you, I saw a thing, a video where this lady said, she was in the aisle with, the, with all the, the Lysol and, and, and all the cleaning supplies, all the Clorox and stuff was gone. Like people just went and ransacked it. And she said, what's wrong with you people? And I'm thinking, where is this going? What's going on? No, she said, why y'all need to come get this now? I already had that in my house. Y'all some nasty people if you had to rush out and go get it, right? So th that's what I'm telling you. We, there's too many variables in it to assume that people will just do the right thing. And because of that, they're doing what they think is best to prevent those who vary astray from the herd from causing the herd to fall. Do I agree so, with it? Nah. Yes. No. I feel strongly both ways, but I, I, I accept it. I have a question for Chris. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, okay. and then you, you chime in. Okay. Reggie. Yeah. But let's, let's say we stay at home. We, we don't do anything. Okay. Let's say we do it for three more months because we have to, because there's a climb. What are we going to do when the economy collapses and we go into a depression? Who's going to take care of us? Because the people that, I mean, I'm curious, the people that we're protecting ourselves from, we can't trust them and we're all alive and they're alive too. And now we have no resources. <laughs> I mean, you do, what's going to happen, Chris? I don't know. I don't know where I'll be. And if this thing lasts six months, I mean, uh, there's, there's an obvious amount. The money will end. Uh, the government can't continue to support me, unfortunately. Mm. I had a very successful business before, and I, my lifestyle was according to that business level. The amount of revenue that I was able to generate. And I work my ass off. Make no mistake. I, I, I work hard. Um, but $1,200 a month is not going to pay my bills. And even mm. if they give it to me every month. 2000 isn't going to pay my bills. And that's not, I'm, I'm not trying to create a scenario with saying, well, I deserve more money. I'm more than willing to earn my keep mm -hmm. and do it, but I'm being prevented from doing it uh, by government regulation. Uh, and, and so I'm a survivor. I'll figure something out. I'll do just something different. 
I'll, you know, I'll go to work at Wawa with my nephew and I'll be out there, whatever it takes. But, but the reality is in six months, the damage will be done. Yeah. You want to talk about, you want to talk about climate change? You want to talk about climate change? Talk about this. This is going to have a lasting effect on our economy. This is going to have an irreversible uh, effect on, on so much of the population. And part of me wants to believe, no, I don't want to say the word wants. Part of me believes that there are certain people in power that want that to happen, that that are driving this so that that is, in fact, the end result, uh, which will then drive us into being uh, dependent upon a nanny state. We, we won't have any choice but to take – I'll be standing there with, the, with my hand out for the government check because I won't have any other option. And they're okay with that. Huh? With the rations like they used to have in the Depression. You know, well, well, here's something. Think about this. You gave me a chance. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Hey, listen, go listen. Ahead. This, this show is called Small Talk. And, uh, you know, Teresa is now asking the questions and directing who they're going to go to. Well, I want to ask. I'm going to take the night off. Y'all have a good time. Well, go ahead. Follow up with Chris. I, 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 I can hold mine. Go ahead. Okay. So, so you're talking about that change. Well, that's what I think is even happening beyond just the economy changing. The way we do everything will change. I mean, like I made the comment on Facebook. Somebody said, you know, I, what do you think will change? I said, well, 24-hour shopping is done. 24-hour access to stuff is, is done. You're not going to be going to the stores anymore 24 hours. And they're like, what made you think of that? I was like, because they're doing it. Because it's, it's like 9-11. Once something comes into play, it doesn't go backwards. So I can't see how we'll ever go back to the way things were. If they open the economy. I, I believe free economy will drive it back. I think 24 hour will come back simply because eventually somebody will stay open 24 hours. CBS will do it. And Walgreens will say, well, if CBS does it, then we got to do it. And it's, it, it, it'll come back. That's the free market. I'm good with that. Yeah. I mean, because they make money in the middle of the night just like right. the year before. So they go open it back up. But to, to answer what's going to happen, I, one, I don't believe it's going to last. We're going to be locked down for another three to six months. I just don't see it happening because as much as people and I agree with you, Chris, I think people are turning this into uh, what would you say all the time, George? Don't let a good crisis go to waste or something like that. Well, mm -hmm. you know, I can't take credit for that. That was uh, Rahm Emanuel, Obama's chief of staff. And there's people before him have said it, too. But um, the, the thing is, I, I firmly believe that there are people driving the narrative. Right. I mean, that you see more images of people dying than recovering. Yes. Talk more about the, the, you know, the people that are outside of the vulnerable group dying. When when you actually look at the hard and fast numbers, it's minuscule. I mean, compared to, you know, the, the, the people who actually are vulnerable. For, I mean, like, I know there's people driving. I will not sit here and act as if there's not. But on the other side, there's people who got just as much desire to get this thing open. It's coming back open, y'all. I mean, y'all, y'all, we, we we sitting here just spinning our wheels and just running our mouths on a Tuesday night. If you think, I bet you a dollar to an oatmeal cookie, by the end of May at the latest, we're going to be back to eh, three quarters of the way where we was before. Now, it ain't going to be by, by rule. It's just people going to start going back there because they can't take it no more. I mean, they're just frustrated. And Yeah, but my business, Reggie, my business 
is is dependent upon governmental in I have to have permits. I have to be able to do things. So I'm in that remaining 25%. Yeah. Everything that I do falls into that last 25%. So until the government buys into that, um, I'm, I'm dead in the water. Yeah. And that is going to have a lasting effect because it's not just me. It's the people that I buy my T-shirts from, the mm. people that I buy my medals from, the, mm. the people that I employ. All of the stuff, even the the timing company, the, the the timing systems that I use to time a race cost $20,000 a piece. These are very expensive systems. Wow. And the people that make them don't sell thousands of them. They sell dozens of them a year, right? And so when when they don't sell any, then their their companies start to collapse. And, and that's, I don't know in the entertainment industry, I think we're the biggest affected. And I put myself in that entertainment athletic yeah, yeah. sports entertainment. Mm -hmm. I see that being, you know, concerts. How are, how are you know, movies, Regal Center Cinemas. At yeah. what point is that going to be back in business? AMC is, is uh, I read a thing the other day, they, they're basically, they, there's a proposition, they might be filing bankruptcy and going out of business. Yeah. They're already yeah. losing business to Marcus Theaters and those big comfy places. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that won't return on the back end of this. Yeah. Even if it, if, if it opens up at the end of May, which I project, you heard it here first. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty prognosticated, aren't I, George? You I, are, indeed. He argued against me. I told him Trump was going to win. I'm telling you now, no later than the end of May. Because Texas is already reopening. I mean, look at Georgia. Georgia, on Friday of this week, you can go get your hair done, your nails did, and go have a good workout. So on Monday, you can go to the restaurants because they open them up on Monday. Despite what's good for all, um, there's places that can't sustain this for much longer, especially in the South, because they don't have the income to do it. And as they reopen and there's no major blowups, I mean, you were talking about earlier the, the uh, antibodies we developed. Well, they're talking about now in Wuhan, they got people re-catching it, right? I mean, but I don't know if that's how accurate that is. So I'm just going to go forth and go on faith. And when the opportunity affords itself, I'll be one of the first ones to run out of the house, even though I love sheltering in place. I mean, think it's going to be a lot sooner than what we think. Just stop paying attention to the, to the media and just watch what old Trump do. So, There's no way possible he gonna lay down and let these folks continue to destroy the beautiful economy he had. I agree. Based on some speculation. Well, so Reggie, it sounds like you're glad he's president through this. That's a, you know what you're doing? You, <laughs> you're reaching dog, you're reaching. I ain't going there. But I will say, I'm, I'm glad that somebody who is uh, a capitalist, who's driven on making money is there. Because um, I, I made a decision a long time ago to bet on myself and start a business. Without that, if I had some socialistic place, um, I'd, I'd be right behind you in line, Chris. Um, they better give me a pe bigger piece of bread. I know that much because <laughs> in the bread line, dog on it. So, uh, yeah, I, I'll say I'm glad that there's folks in place that are about building our economy and sustaining us, right, and, and about money. Do I want them to stay there forever? That ain't our business. That's my business, right? But for now, just watch. By the end of May, at the latest, everything gonna be open. Now you keep talking about the federalistic thing, George, of, of people, you know, local government things of that nature. That that implies that uh, Trump is m making a decision to really play into that. I think he's just passing the buck more than anything else. He has to. He has to because I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why. I noticed yesterday when I did my normal routine in the morning, woke up and mm -hmm. I turned on Joe and Mika. Over there on 
MSNBC I News. I don't watch that. Okay, but I do. So for all the haters out there, they're like, all you do is get your news from, from Fox. It's all you do. Just making that assumption. No, I don't. Um, so here's what they started doing yesterday, uh, Reggie. They started putting faces and stories mm. to the people who have died. Yeah. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? You know why? Because we're going to set we're going to set the table because as soon as we reopen and the first death happens, you wait to the face and name and story they put to that person and put it on Trump's hands. And I think Trump knows that. Someone probably got in his ear after he was on uh, television with all his bluster and bravado and, and all the rest of it saying my power is ultimate which that might actually be debatable uh, when you talk about interstate commerce calls of the Constitution, by the way, but that's for another discussion. Um, he, he backed off of that the very next day. Really? The very next day, he's like, yeah, it's up to the governors. Why? Because someone said, hey, man, your ultimate power is going to bite you in the rear end soon as someone dies. They're going to have it on television talking about your ultimate power killed somebody. 60% of Democrats already got blood on your hands instead of the, the folk where this came from. Uh, all I want is for the reopen and whoever's in charge of that, whether it's my mayor, my governor, my, I don't know, just make it happen. I mean, it's speculation here, but dragging out for another, well, not another two weeks. That's just getting us to the May day. It's speculation of it dragging out all the way into well into May. And I don't see why, because we're doing better than everybody else. So aren't we? But you know, you got to kind of ride with where it is. And ain't much I can do. I, I, Lord knows I'm not going to show up on the steps with a gun. Because <laughs> if I showed up on the steps with a gun, there's going to be some consequences and repercussions, doggone it. You know what I mean? So I, I, I'll just take it for what it is. But I agree with you, George, 100%. We, there's more stories about the horror of this. And that's why I say you sound like Bill Maher, because his last rant, his last new rule, last Friday, was talking about the media needs to tone it down. They yeah. need to stop. The, after 9-11, there was no headlines that said terror or like spoke to fear. But yet now that's all you see is this things just hyping it up because wow, it wasn't as bad as it was supposed to be. Let's double down on this and make sure people still feel that Trump made a horrible mistake. Well, that ain't going to help us. Let's, let's not forget about uh, every uh, white conservative's favorite black entertainer, Kanye, who stood up and said, uh, Bush lied and people died. Oh, you got it. Hey, hey, hey. George Bush did not care about black people. You, <laughs> he's moved away from that now. He said he is done being used because he felt like he was being used as a propaganda machine. So he's not speaking on politics anymore. Did you know Good that? For him. Good yeah. for him. Yes. Yes, he yep. did. He said he, he felt he was used by Joel Olson, too, the preacher. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, I'm not weighing in on that. Say again. I'm not weighing in on that. Oh, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> you can tune in on Sunday for a good motivational speech. I don't know if that's the Bible, but yeah, that <laughs> it is what it is. I do want to tell you something about the media and the differences because I was in Georgia last week. Okay. Social distancing at the hunting camp. Yeah. We went to the grocery store. Nobody's wearing a mask. They weren't sanitizing carts like we are. I mean, they're, everybody's just walking around normal. And, you know, I mean, I told my husband, I said, I cannot believe four hours away from where we live. Completely different. I mean, no fear whatsoever. And now there were signs up, 
COVID-19, <laughs> which is kind of comical. Uh, and there were signs like we're social distancing, but nothing like what we're experiencing here in our, our community. But what the media will do is they will play it out like, oh, see, Georgia's reopening and they already have a spike in their cases. And I'm thinking, okay, I mean, like, the, what's the value in telling us that? South Dakota, they refused to put in anything. I think Iowa as well. And they had a big thing that happened inside of a meatpacking place. And so that's been the lead story on Rachel Maddow and everywhere else about these clusters. They got the largest cluster in the United States. And Okay, so it didn't work out the way you planned initially. It wasn't as bad as you said. So let me just find anything to keep the fear in, this, in, in the thing. So when this all is clear, um, the next time they talk about Republicans fear-mongering, I'm going to be the loudest person screaming, you ought to be ashamed of your damn self. But this has been the biggest fear-mongering thing in the world. I think we needed to do this. I think we need to separate it. But there's no need to keep extinguishing hope at every turn. To take people's idea of any semblance that this may end. Because what will happen is we also know all the numbers I spoke about, uh, you know, high blood pressure and diabetes. There's a significant number of people in this country, like 11 million people with mental health issues. Four million of those have serious and persistent mental illnesses. Now, if you got a narrative out there that's being like really supported and put on airwaves, I think that number of just folks with mental health issues is going to grow exponentially. Because you've taken away any semblance of hope or, or like freedom that this may end at some point. And you got me so terrified, I'm washing down cucumbers. Well, and we're not talking about we're not talking about suicide. I mean, just today I got a phone call about uh, placement uh, with APS for an elderly man whose son killed himself. Wow. So now his son's dead, he's got to deal with that and his caretaker is dead. Mm. And if he had mental health and he's watching the news, that's really this that really does deserve to have a COVID name to it. Yeah. Because the fear of COVID killed him. Yes. And just like Fox underplayed it and now they're trying to back off and trying to avoid being sued. Uh, MSNBC need to go lawyer up their doggone selves. They they have pushed a lot and seeing all, all of the media should be ashamed of themselves for the way they've reported this and the way they've presented it. And the fact that we haven't reached that hundred million or I mean hundred thousand or million level, why can't we celebrate that instead of talking about what didn't happen? Wait till we clear this and then go back and look at it. I have no problem with doing an exploratory investigation into what took place throughout this thing after we're back at work and folks ain't sitting around here wondering if they can pay their bills next month. But like you said, Chris, twelve hundred dollars, twenty four hundred dollars. That won't do one that, that that'll touch some of my bills because I live just like you. I live according to my means and I've been blessed and highly favored. So I got some deep means. You know what I mean? And so I can't survive off that. Let me have some hope. And and I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm rambling. But I, I, I get I get just as frustrated as y'all. But it, I, I hate to say this because it's bad. But there's hypocrisy on both sides. There really is. I saw this morning. They were criticizing Trump because he said he's going to do a travel ban. On all, I mean, I can't remember exactly what on all uh, European countries are just, just trying. He's, he's shutting down immigration. Immigration ban, yeah. And immigration then, ban, yeah. So then they have, they're criticizing him for that. But then y'all criticized him before when he shut down China, but then later realized that that had a positive outcome. So then you criticize 
that he still let 40,000 people back in who were repatriated people. I mean, it was our citizens. They had to come home. Like, so you're just going to find flaws in everything, which means you have no argument whatsoever, right? If you can't concede something from time to time, then your argument is invalid. And it's on all sides of the fence. Even the libertarian, even Bernie's people are just as, I guess, pious and sanctimonious about their position. Sorry. Well, we we can claim we can claim it's on all sides, and I will say yes, I I agree with you. But th- this goes beyond conservative and liberal. There's 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 more room on both sides of that spectrum, to the right and to the left. You know, again, Ben Shapiro shows up on a college campus to talk, and he has to have just dozens of cops. Why? Because he's a conservative. You, you, any liberal shows up on any campus. Find a really conservative campus, Liberty University, maybe Hillsdale up in um, Michigan, some conservative campus, and have a liberal come in there. I guarantee you there's no cops. I guarantee you there are no cops at all, period. But a liberal shows up or a conservative shows up on campus, they're, they have to, they're swarmed. But what about all them folks that, on the state capitol bearing guns? Like that's scary as heck to me. Well, maybe that is scary, but no one got hurt. I got you. No one got listen. No one got hurt. And you know, go back to the Tea Party, man. Those people showed up and they're all dressed up in colonial outfits and looking silly and all the rest of it. And everyone's calling them, uh, you know, uh, uh, racist and and they're a part of the patriarchy and all this nonsense. And then they leave town and the place is cleaner than what they left it. Yeah. Yeah, they're picking up garbage. I Making think it the, nice um, and pretty and, and all the I, rest of it. When I see the, the people on the steps with the guns and whatnot, it, it, that does strike me as, as an extreme move. Um, but I also feel like it, it's an important position. It, what it does is it, it sends an important message to the politicians that we are reaching a tipping point. When, 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 when there's enough of those people, which I consider on the fringe, um, on that extreme right, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not pro extreme left or right. I. I don't like anybody out on that fringe. But when those people, and I'll use that term loosely, uh, when those people finally start to react and respond, I think that's the that's the first indicator for Washington or politicians in general to recognize. Okay, we're reaching a point because up until that happened. I felt like it was a ratchet that just wasn't stopping. I felt like they were talking about having us take tests and having to carry a card that said I was tested and I'm clean and da da da. And next thing you know, I got to show my papers. I can't travel interstate. All of our liberties are going to be stripped away. They're 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 categorically and in their mind justifiably removing every liberty that I have um, for the sake of the greater good. Ergo, you know the the population in, in general. Um, but but without being checked at all, it's just like they're thinking, well, what else can we pull out of our bag of tricks where we can control this and get it down? Uh, and 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 Teresa's, you know, uh, topic there. How much of that doesn't come back? How much of that ratchet doesn't get reversed when when everything starts to lift? How much of that doesn't come back? That now, oh, well, that's just part of it now that you have to carry this card or you have to do this or you have to do this procedure or you can't. They normalize it to the point that the the the, the vast majority of the population accepts it. Yeah. The, the, 
And, and then, and when they do, the, then the people like me who are not extremely to one side, I'm not the gun toting guy that goes to the Capitol, um, but I'm also the guy that's one step behind. You talk about your levels of racism. I, when it comes to that liberty, I'm, I'm on a three. You know what I'm saying? I'm at a three. I'm, I'm at the tipping point. I'm, I can go either way with it. If you, if you push me far enough, I am gonna, I am gonna take action. But right now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little more cautious. I'm a little more accepting as to this being a temporary situation. But I have concerns about how much of this ratcheting won't come back. Mm. Well, I mean, we lost a lot with um, the Patriot Act. So this, yeah. but um. And I still complain about that every day. Every time, every time I go to the airport and have to take my shoes off, I'm like, "This is a damn joke." Man, you're falling behind, man. You need TSA pre. That's the best eighty-five dollars you ever spent. I'm just making a point. I, 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 I know what you mean. It's just uh, throughout all this, what what stands out the most to me is um, we're in a crisis. And at one point, there was a level of unity among us, and now we're back to being divisive again. And when I say divisive, I mean it's it's gonna it's getting to a point where you 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 might need to go ammo up for real. I mean, because it's the resentment that comes from other groups when they watch certain you know one group have that freedom and have that influence at mm -hmm. the point of a gun, then it starts really letting other people know where they fit in in the whole fabric of things. And then there's folks in our political system who will take advantage of that as much as they possibly can. They'll help to exploit that. And push it out there, which is just going to divide us even deeper, right? So, uh, we we did good for a little while. We loved one another. We we shared hand sanitizer with one another and did some great things. But now we're back. We're America again. Teresa, give us some of your final no, thoughts here, Teresa. No. Reggie, I think that we can stand up for something and still be united. Because if we, this is what America is built on, is holding a line, demanding more. That's why we have more liberties than anybody in the world. You know, we can't just give it up. And that's what I think, I, I mean, I'm not for, you know, getting out the guns and going to the Capitol. I have a gun, but I will say this. If we don't make a stand and have our voices heard to the people that we elect, who sometimes once they get there, I don't even know if they remember our names or where we even live, you sure. know. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. No, it's it just, and in no way am I implying that this is a racial thing. Y'all got to watch Black AF because I swear he says everything about racism. But it's sort of like the Colin Kaepernick um, argument. It's not that he don't have a right to protest. It's not that he don't have a right to do it. But the argument has been that it's not the right form and it's not the right right way. Which I mean, that that's been. Well, I would argue in the sense of standing up for our liberties and freedoms, um, being outside of our governor's home and being on Capitol steps and inside of uh, government buildings with weapons, not the right form, not the right way. There's got to be a better way to, to, to have ourselves heard. And if, if, if we, we're, we're cowboys, we are. I mean, that's the Western society. I mean, I should say United States because it ain't, it ain't in Europe. You can't care, have a gun over there. Yeah, I, I think we can be more intelligent in our argument and we can lobby in, in a better way that, that I, I'm, I'm going to say the people standing on the on the steps with the guns. My, I, I'm going to push just like they pushed the my body, my choice thing down back at us. 
I'm going to push that whole not the right form and definitely not the right way because it's scary. And what it does is it lets us know that there is a drastic difference and that difference can be played out at any given time. And now that does, and there's going to be people who play upon that to further divide us. It just goes, it goes back and forth, right? So mm-hmm. uh, both sides, this happens on, I think of Maxine Waters and Nancy Pelosi and others saying, get in people's faces. Remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And the next thing you know, there's, there's Mitch McConnell's wife being accosted and, all these different p- restaurants and all this stuff, people getting ran out. Sarah uh, Huckabee Sanders being ran out of a restaurant and just yelling, get in their faces. It's like, okay, okay well, you, you can't say that. And I'm not saying you're doing this, Reggie. No, but, I bet if, but, if, but I bet if we ask Maxine what she, crazy Aunt Maxine, what she thinks about uh, the gun-toting people on the steps, I bet she would just be appalled. I'm sure she would give us a great soundbite about how they shouldn't be out there. Oh God, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, it's just the game. Like it's the game, and the, the thing is, it shouldn't be a game, right? It's people's lives, and that's really what I'm getting at. I mean, like in the end, it is just we've got to have a better way of doing it. And I know for some people, they feel limited in, in their voice and their means of connecting or influence, but um, that image is that 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 brings back some really horrible times in our country. Yes, and I I I don't think that that's the right way, and I I think that's much like people said about Kaepernick in the knee during the anthem, I think it's just inappropriate. I mean, it, it, and the message it sends is horrific for those who can't show up there with a gun. You know what I mean? And I ain't just talking about black folks. I ain't making it about ethnicity. There's a lot of people who don't have that authority, who don't have that freedom to be able to do that. And it, it, it further lets us know where we stand. But don't you think if you can those those people who are protesting that if you cage somebody too long, I mean I, I have like the five stages of grief, the anger and the frustration. That's what incites violence. <laughs> you know, we we we're, your voice isn't getting heard. Uh, no, getting, I mean, I know you want to. Lines. I feel you. I feel you. We we circle back, but yeah. I I got to tell you, I'm with. Uh, I, I, Rather than being a devil's advocate, I believe everything point I made, but I, I'm somewhat with y'all. Maybe just open this thing back up, man. At some point in time, uh, Trump said it because somebody else said it on the news channel. Cure <laughs> <laughs> can't be worse than the illness, dog on it. And it is this my home state can't recover from this if it persists. Y'all state really can't recover. I mean, y'all's major GDP is tourism. So I mean, like. There's, there's regions of this country that will become damn near third world if this persists. So there has to, something got to give, right? I'm I'm vulnerable. I got high blood pressure. So I'm still going to try to do my virtual trainings. But I, I, I wanted to open as, I think, probably as soon as y'all do. Well, I have high blood pressure too, man. And I want it open now. It might be, <laughs> it might be, it might be contributing. It might be contributing to it, actually. That's what's up. All right. Hey, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to channel a little inner George Carlin here <laughs> as, as we wrap up this episode and uh, say why I think that everyone globally should be on the same side. Right. We should all be, we're all, we all should be on the same team. And that is the planet is trying to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> you shake your head if you want to, 
the planet is trying to kill you. So that's why houses are constructed to code is because the elements are going to come along. And if that thing can't withstand it, Mother Nature is going to kill you. If you're in California, it's got to be built such a way so that when Mother Nature shakes the ground beneath you, it won't collapse on you and you won't die. The reason why you have to have certain clothes when you live in Florida in the sun is so that you won't get cancer and, you know, or, or you got to have that parka up there where Reggie lives because that cold will kill you. The planet is trying to kill us. And so we make all of these efforts, construction, all the rest of it to try to keep the planet from killing us. And then when uh, when all that works and the planet hasn't killed us, then here comes a virus and it tries to kill us and it succeeds. And so while everyone's out worried about the, the turtles, the sea turtles, and I'm told that the sea turtles now are flourishing because there's not people on the beaches disrupting them. And so we need to keep people off the beaches. The sea turtles are going to be just fine. The planet is totally fine. It obviously recovered in a matter of a couple of weeks from all this pollution that we've been killing it with. It's totally fine. You open up that oil spout in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, however many years ago, we're killing everything. You go back like six months later, nobody can find oil in the Gulf of Mexico anywhere. It just takes care of itself. It's fine. We're not killing the planet. It's killing us. So why don't we work together and realize we're all on the same team and do what we got to do and stop killing each other while the planet's killing us. Well, I'll give you another George Carlin quote. Never underestimate the power of stupid people in large groups. And that's all I got. An empty now, wagon makes lots of noise. <laughs> Good seeing you, Chris. Good seeing you, Teresa. You too. Um, Take care. Yeah. Hey, uh, thanks for listening tonight, everyone. I appreciate appreciate all the, the feedback. And uh, remember that you can go on your favorite podcast platform and download tonight's episode. And uh, we'll be back right here on Facebook Live on Thursday at 8 o'clock. And uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about at that point. So gonna be appreciate back- y'all listening to Small Talk. What, Reggie? Are they going to be back on with us? Uh, probably not, man. I don't think they've made the cut, Reggie. Yeah. It, 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 it really just depends on if they share this tonight and get a bunch of views. Let's just, let's just say if this thing gets up over like a thousand views, we've been well over 500, I think. But if we get over a thousand, we might have them back. Other, this, other than that, Reggie, uh, it's just you and I. Is it Small Talk Apprentice? Is that what this is? Uh, something like that. Uh, you're fired. <laughs> All right, y'all. All right, until next time. Bye. Take care.